0: Do you hear that, Chris? Do you hear that sound? It was very crisp, Patrick. I'll tell you what, mate. It tastes... It tastes, Chris, like a sweet, sweet Ashes victory. Welcome to Two for None and this Ashes victory edition. My name is Patrick Cullen, and I'm here, of course, with my co-host and gentleman of man, Christopher T. Bardo. Barty, how are you, sir? How are you feeling about today? Oh, I tell you what, Pat.
1: Um, look, I haven't been this elated um, since uh, EA Sports released uh, Cricket '97 Ashes Tour Edition. <laughs> Cricket 97 Ashes Tour Edition, I was nine years old, so it was 1997, and uh, I had bought Cricket 97, um, it was a good game, it was a great game, but great game. what it, what it didn't have was, like, player rights. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, no, can you remember any of the players named?
1: Well, yeah, it was just weird ones, it was like, you know, like, oh, I don't know, you know, Fred Jones opening the batting, and um you know g mcgoogle you know <laughs> opening placement these kind of things um and so you had to like you know if you wanted to like you know play the real plays you had to do, like create player mode and i would do like all 11 players and i'd create everybody and i'd like you know try and mirror on the australian team or you know or basically pick the team that i wanted to play sure, or whatever sure, sure sure um you know so it was basically just a michael
0: bevan 11 <laughs> What a great side! Oh, what a great side! Is there 11, anything 11. Bevo couldn't do? Um,
1: Bat right-handed, probably. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but other than that, um, just everything. But um, no, and then they came out with Cricket '97 Ashes to Edition and they actually had the player rights. Oh wow! Um, and I remember downloading the demo of that um, and thinking that it was actually um, the greatest thing that ever existed. Um, I was confirmed that it, in fact, was. Uh, most excellent um, <laughs> and i remember playing that for the first time and i was pretty elated and that elation has had no comparison until this week wow. when australia won back the ashes 3-0 wow
0: chris i mean that is decades in the making i mean that is that is a serious thrill and i yeah look man i'm joining it there um, what a time to be alive And look, we're going to get into the men's ashes We're going to get into that epic Perth test in mere moments But Chris, we had a, a massive reaction to our segment last week And the previous week about to the WBBL So I thought we might start with the women's game before we jump into the men's um, cool. And I think you have some stats in front of you, sir How is the table looking? How are our predictions going?
1: Yeah, look, it's been a really um, interesting start to the BBL. It seems that the uh, Sydney-based teams, um, the the Thunder and the Sixers, have had a really strong start. I mean, we certainly predicted um, early doors, didn't we, that uh, the Sixers, are under the uh, leadership of Elise Perry, um, who's just been red hot as per usual. Uh, what with, a gun! With about oh, such a weapon, um, you know, she's had a really positive start. And look, they've they've started with uh, a three wins and a loss from their first four games. Uh, but right alongside them there, of course, um, are the Adelaide Strikers and uh, the uh, the Sydney Thunder, um, who...
0: Oh, the Thunder. We didn't see them coming.
1: No, I don't know. I mean, look, they had an interesting, uh, you know, uh, they've had an interesting time. They certainly, their first season in the WBBL, they sort of took everyone by surprise. Um, when they won the tournament, of course, alongside the men's team, which I believe was led by Mike Hussey at the time. But... Oh. Um, Nice. Oh yeah, what a gun! Look, he would he would um, probably struggle in the women's game at the moment. The, the way that the, uh, the way that it's going, and the, the standard has been really high. And uh, I think uh, for me, the highlight of, of um, the game so far has to be the hat trick uh, oh, to yeah. the uh, Sydney Sixers, uh, tweaker, uh, Van uh, Dane Van
0: Niekirk. the uh, South um, African captain, I believe. Um, yeah, she got an absolute cracker. Bowling leggies, too. Love to see a leg spinner get a hat trick. That always makes me happy in my heart. <laughs>
1: oh, doesn't it? Just evoking uh, memories of uh, 94, 95 there. <laughs> what, a, what a day that was. Um, I reckon. Uh, what well.
0: Interestingly, though, like, so sh- they were all bold. Um, I saw the highlights of this. They were all bold, these, these, this hat trick, which I think is pretty unique in itself. But the third batter out there, you know, on a hat trick ball... Chris I mean what would be your choice of shot on a hat-trick ball just putting yourself in that situation bowlers coming Mm. in what's going to be your choice of shot what are you what are you going to go for
1: well I look uh, me personally uh, me literally I would probably uh, go for a forward defense but that's regardless of whether it's a a front foot forward defense regardless of whether it's a hat-trick ball or not (laughs) Um, but uh, I think that's generally a safe option
0: Look, the the batter in question decided the best way to go on the hand-trick ball, uh, which turned out to be a wrong-in, was to go for the old lap sweep, uh, which resulted in the ball passing the shoulder and uh, taking out leg and middle, uh, which is not, you know, it's not a dignified way to walk back to the sheds, is what I'll say.
1: Look, it's definitely bold. Uh, (laughs) You know, it's definitely uh, the old command B, (laughs) <laughs> um, or control B if you're using a, a PC sure, sure, um,
0: equal opportunities
1: oh, but look, hey um, <laughs> it's what we're all about we don't want to leave out any tech monopolies um, but uh, look, it's definitely a bold manoeuvre wasn't it but um, no, it looked great to see Dane Van Niekirk um, get the hat trick there um, and uh, certainly, uh, you know, the Thunder as well were really dominant in their most recent match against the Melbourne Stars um, just bring up some statistics here um, but, uh, you know, Rachel Haynes um, had a terrific innings, of course. I think we saw a bit of Rachel in the uh, women's ashes just gone Indeed. by. yep. yep. Um, but i tell you what, when you are, you know, hitting 78 runs from 51 deliveries. Uh, including five fours and four sixes at a strike Goodness. rate of 152. What? You're not going to lose too many games. <laughs> um, so, uh, you know, uh, and I don't know if you've, if you've had a chance to check out the highlights there on... Uh, on the cricket.com.au website, but um, it's some pretty fierce striking uh, there, which was is, is good to see. Um, so both both Sydney teams are doing very well. It looks as though the Melbourne Stars look they're much um, much vaunted. The Melbourne Stars franchise, of course, led mm. by um, the uh, uh, ever-present uh, Eddie McGuire. Um, but um, Eddie they just. Um, seem to be struggling a little bit uh, in in the bowling department in terms of uh, keeping um, you know the runs down. So um, great start for the Sydney Tigers. Um The Melbourne sides are left with a little bit of work to do. Sure. Um, and my um, you know my hometown team, of course, the Perth Scorchers. Um, look. They've got a bit of work to do, currently sitting mid-table, um, but with a couple of home-round uh, uh, fixtures coming up, uh, the next game against uh, against the Melbourne Stars, I would back them to uh, make a bit of a surge, of course, uh, you know, led by um, the uh, great Australian batsman, Elise Vellani. Yes. Um, and also, if you find yourself in, in uh, Western Australia, of course, coming up to the uh, new year, um, definitely get down to Lilac Hill, um in uh up there in the swan valley just uh five minutes from my place so you can stop stop by and say day on the oh, way through what a time um, to be alive actually i won't be here because i'll probably be there but um <laughs> definitely worth having having your geese.
0: look chris fans of the pod could head down to lilac hill put themselves a deposit on a nice big ice cream and potentially find themselves at the cricket with ctb yeah to be honest i don't know what more you could possibly want in your life that's as good as it gets surely
1: uh Look, definitely a big fat ice cream uh, makes bo- most things better, I've got to say. But um, yeah, definitely well well worth having a look uh, if you're in town. And, and look, it's great to see that the Lilac Hill venue is um, you know still in operation and still being used. I mean, of course, we saw effectively uh, not so much the closure of a closure of a one great West Australian uh, uh, venue, but certainly the end of an era at the whack of this week. Mm. And uh, Lilac Hill is perhaps one that's. Um, uh, been a little bit further from prominence in recent years, but I think um, with the way that the um, WBBL is going, it's uh, it's a perfect venue um, for a great day out of, of cricket. So definitely get uh, get down there and uh, and check it out.
0: Look, Chris, fans of the pod may not know, but uh, we actually record this across the country. So I'm sat at home here in Sydney and Chris is sat at his home in Perth. But at the end of the year, I'll be heading back to WA. So there is a good chance that following the next test, we'll be able to do our first live recording as a duo as a two-piece ctb i don't know that it makes anybody else as excited as it makes me but i'm pretty excited i tell
1: you what man if we could do a live edition at lilac hill oh. uh, wouldn't wouldn't that be something
0: goodness, Wouldn't that be Chris. something goodness um, i mean we might- fans of the pod could join us there we could make a festival out of yeah, ctb so
1: just a couple of strange men hanging over the fence posts <laughs> <laughs> eating ice cream ice
0: creams, talking into their phones um, <laughs> what more do you want in your life than that? Um, look, mate, great call. Great call indeed. Let's kick into it, shall we? Let's kick into the men's game. And uh, no, we need to say no more than Australia won by an innings and 41 runs. Um, it was, went the full five days and what a test match, Chris. Give me some of your highlights from, uh, from those five days of play.
1: Uh, look, nothing to do with Steve Smith. I'm sick of that guy. Oh
0: yeah, he's the worst, isn't he? And that we make it even more worse is we didn't pick him for the runs. I mean, fans of the pod must be throwing their arms in the air. Look,
1: I don't think um, fans of the pod listen, necessarily listen to, to for none for uh, authentic cricket analysis, but. Um, <laughs> You know, it definitely, you know, we are well-researched. Oh, very well-researched. Very well-researched, um, indeed. Oh, but look, you know, wasn't it some sort of innings. I mean, um, you know, he ended, uh, you know, oh, was it day three? Yeah, day three. Day three on, uh, on, you know, 90-odd not out. And I think, you know, really, um, if... It, we sort of thought, well, look, if he if he can knock a hundred round in the first ball or so, you know, first sorry, first over or so, um, raise his bat. That's kind of job done. But um, you know, a, a lot of the commentators, uh, you know, listening to, to ABC and uh, and Channel Nine, you know, predicted that he would get go on and get a big, dirty, fat one. And, <laughs> um, I tell you what, they don't get much bigger, dirtier, or fatter than two hundred and thirty nine runs, my friends. So, Mate, that is as
0: big and dirty and fat as um, they come
1: yeah he's got to, he's got to be a highlight mate I mean he just it's not often you see it, you watch a game and look batting conditions in the first innings were favourable for both teams yeah you know um, we saw some some great performances um, in the first innings of course from Johnny Besto and uh, uh, David Milan with his um, maiden test ton which was terrific to see um, yeah,
0: look, Chris, and I think credit really does have to go to Dave Milan there. I mean, when they came together, him and Bairstow, England were looking pretty shaky. I mean, Mark Stoneman had made a 56 at the top of the order, but outside of that, the Aussies really had their tails up. Stark, Hazelwood, Cummins all picked up early wickets. Joe Root went for 20 when you know you're in the game when that happens. Um, and I thought they batted really, really, really well, Chris. Um, Milan looked particularly good off the back foot, off the front but- foot. I just thought they uh, they really pulled it together there at a time they could have completely fallen apart.
1: Oh, look, they came together at, um, at a pretty interesting time, you know, 4 for 131, um, you know, without really, uh, you know, it, it was very easy to see um, England potentially crumbling, but look, they put they definitely put on a real show, um, and it was great to see David Milan uh, making some runs because, you know, his spot perhaps has, has been a little bit under question. Sure. Um, Johnny Best has been look I think he's been really solid um, but he's potentially been left with a bit too much to do uh, in terms of batting with the tail so um, getting his opportunity moving a little bit further up the order
0: clearly worked and look Um, Chris it's great to see that um, that Joe Root who chooses the English batting order is obviously a fan of the pod Um (laughs) yeah Because he must have heard us last week and thought, oh, yes, Pat and Chris, they've got their fingers on the pulse. Two for none, that's where I want to be. I'm going to put Johnny up. I'm going to put the ginger man up the order. It's the only logical response.
1: Mate, did I have to, did I have to tell you about the time that I met Joe Root? No. Oh, so uh, if, uh, if you delve into the annals of my Instagram account, you really got really to roll your sleeves up and give it a good story. <laughs> Like you really gotta, you really gotta go deep <laughs> on this one. Um, but I'm putting it out there, so uh, you know,
0: mate. Post a link to uh, the Facebook we'll, page. That is be so the best
1: good. I can. And, uh, um, uh, you know, so the time I met Joe Ru, uh, so we were at um a, an establishment. Uh, myself and a couple of friends were at an establishment in uh, uh Perth in 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 Subiaco, in fact, uh, and it is. Uh, it was, it's no longer in, ex- in existence, uh, a reputable uh, night bar called the Llama Bar.
0: Oh, Chris, the Llama Bar. Friends of the pod may not know, but the Llama Bars is a pretty classy establishment. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> yes. Uh,
1: um, it certainly attracted a certain class of people. Mm. Um, uh, but look, certainly, uh was at the Llama Bar. And anyway... Um, uh, It was one of those nights where uh, there was a couple of funny things happened. First of all, I remember there was this particular DJ who was absolutely just you know playing you know tune after tune after tune, and um, I got my my other friend, uh, my roommate at the time, Tristan, was at another bar, and uh, I was texting him one night. I was like, "Mate, this DJ is off the chain! Like, you've got to get here! Like, this is the most unbelievable DJ you've ever heard! Like, you don't even understand, mate." And um, Tristan was at a a corporate uh, Christmas party at uh. a, you know one of the uh, one of the big uh, 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 firms here in Western Australia, and he was, you know, I mean those things are you know sort of fairly big affairs. So he was like, you know, are you sure? Like I'm having a really good time here. It better be really good there. Anyway, he turned up, and there was like six people <laughs> and me. <laughs> To my credit, though, I was really enjoying this DJ. <laughs> sure. I was having a really good time. Um, and anyway, while I'm having a really good time, and he's absolutely steaming because he's brought his, he's brought his girlfriend along. Uh-oh. Um, you know, um, Uh-oh. from the event as well. So mm. so she's she's uh, you know been a good sport and come along. Um, anyway, I'm having a really good time. Anyway, um in roles uh the english cricket team and like you know this was the 2013 14 ashes so um you know they were all there there was you know there was uh maddie pry there was joe root there was uh broad uh i think peterson was there you know the 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 whole mob and uh you know i i lost it you know um uh i just lost my composure i couldn't you know (laughs) could, I froze, basically. I, you know, I, I just, uh, I believe they call it, uh, you know, fangirling, you know, which is a bit of a slide of women. So, you know, I just, or fanboying, you know, I just, uh, I fanned. You fanned, I fanned, Chris, you fanned. And, um, mm. you know, and, and, I, and, and Tristan's girlfriend sort of says to me, are you all right? Like, you know, you, you've gone a bit funny, you've gone a bit quiet. And I said, that's the English English cricket team, I'm not okay, I <laughs> want to talk to them, but I don't know how. I, what do I say? And she said, oh, you know, do you want me to, you know, I want to talk to them for you? I said, oh yeah, yeah, no problem. Um, that'd be that'd be awesome. So um, she goes and talks to them, and the English cricket boys just absolutely light up because they think that hang on, there's this good-looking bird who's come over to say g'day to us, and she wants to chat a bit of cricket. Hello. What they don't realise is that we've actually orchestrated the old bait and switch, uh, <laughs> <laughs> where um, you know, so so Sarah's yeah, talking to them and. She, Have you met Chris? And, um, you know, then I roll in just grinning like a (laughs) cat, um, you know, with my eyes wider than, uh, you know, wider than uh, an episode of Stranger Things. And um, uh, poor old Joe Root. You know, so the rest of the team has just realized, hang on, we've got an absolute gopher here. This is a stitch Uh, up. You know, this is a stitch up. No one wants to talk to this donkey. But being the youngest on tour, um, they've, they've lumped Joe Root. So, I was just sort of saying, oh, you know, g'day, mate. Like, how are you? Like, you know, how how are you feeling? You know, what do you think your chances are in the upcoming series? Because I just finished a, a first-class match. And, um, you know, himself and... Was this, this pre-Whitewash, Chris? Uh, this was pre-Whitewash. This was pre-Whitewash. Oh, Whitewash. Right, So So, right. um, they had agreed... And I said, look, would you mind if we had a photo? Uh, anyway, a couple of awkward attempts at getting the photo because the lighting in the club wasn't great. Yeah, um, not good. And I wanted to be able to see their faces. Um, fair, so fair, anyway they graciously agreed to a photograph but if you look at the photo I'm having the best time I'm having an amazing <laughs> time but I'll tell you he's not having a great time <laughs> Joe Root, Joe Root. <laughs> and even less of a good time oh. is uh, Matt Pryor who is doing his best impression of Jason Statham um <laughs> Wow. So, but look, they were really gracious wow. to even allow me to point a camera in their general direction and, and chat to them for five minutes Yeah,
0: yeah, very generous of him, mate, especially considering that that was pretty much a straight-up Shanghai I mean, uh, on a scale from one through to stitch-up, yeah, total stitch-up uh, So it was really pretty generous of him. But what did you make of Joe Root, dude? Was he, was he on the back foot? Was he passing drinks around? Did he look scared and afraid? What was the deal?
1: Uh, no no look he was very polite he was um, you know he was prepared to engage me in a couple of questions and you know and and, uh, have a good chat and so he was a really nice young bloke um, as he still is you know he's very professional Um, but let's just say it wasn't the last time he would be tactically outmaneuvered in Perth (sighs)
0: Oh, what a segue. Excellent work, CTP. Indeed, indeed, indeed. And look, uh, I think Steve Smith can take some credit for doing that in this particular test. He did some pretty excellent maneuvering. Um, in terms of that first innings, Cummins picked up a couple. Um, Hazelwood got a couple as well. Uh, they all bowled pretty well. Mitchell Stark, of course, finished with a fourfer. And, and over the course of the whole match, uh, Mr. Tim Payne ended up with seven catches. And I really just want to take a second to say, well done, Tim Payne. I was against this selection at the start and it has been completely vindicated. He's been doing so well with both the gloves and the bat. I mean, Chris, what did you make of him in this test?
1: Oh, you know, just uh, a fantastic effort really, wasn't it? I mean, that was not a difficult... uh, Sorry, that was a very difficult wicket um, to keep on. I mean, you know, how many times did we just see the ball absolutely lift off the pitch? Um, You know, and... um, I thought he did a, he did an absolutely uh, marvellous job, you know, and then again did a great job with the bat. He kind of came in at a funny time, um, you know, just of, cor- uh, of course after that epic partnership um, between uh, Smith and uh, Marsh, uh, but, you know, g- uh, got on with the job and uh, posted a very handy uh, 49, um, you know, in partnership with, uh, with Paddy Cummins there, who surely Paddy Cummins must be mounting a pretty strong argument at this oh. point to be pushed up to number eight.
0: Absolutely, mate. And by all accounts, Starkey has told him that he can have it. So I don't know what's going on there. I think Smudger probably has a plan that we are not privy to. But given Joe Root's a fan of the pod, I'm sure Steve Smith will be tuning in as well to get some handy tips. So so bump up Paddy Cummins there, Steve. Just if you're listening, just get amongst it. Um, mate, I just wanted to, to quickly touch on something as well. I was chatting to um, our, our wonderful British correspondent, Tom K. Hawkey, this morning. And look, he is a very sad Tom. This is going to be the most sad British bull we've ever had so much to the point that i actually started feeling sorry for him which was kind of weird right how yeah was that? well it was me an australian feeling sorry for an englishman during a cricket season so i think i might need to go to re-education ctb maybe i need to get into the nets and get a couple of bounces in my head to really get myself back together um that's my only only possible explanation for how i can get through this shenanigans but um it was a very sad tom and and we had this conversation about how the Ashes got to be a bit one-sided in a way. Like, we head over there and we get swinged and we get bounced and, and seamed out. We end up losing wickets for 61 in some cases. And then they come here and we bounce them out. Um, and, and what I've really got to get credit to David Milan is that he spent some time before he came out here really working on that hook and that pull shot, and he's able to score runs against us. Um, and the other English bats, especially the tail, especially Stuart Broad, don't look like they've got any ability to play the short ball. And it, and it's quite befuddling in a way, because it's like, you know, if you're coming down here, you're going to get bounced, and, and you've got to figure out a plan to deal with that before you arrive. I mean, well, what did you make of the tactics there, CTB?
1: Look, it was an interesting one, isn't I think, um, you know, you you come to Australia and you, and, and you come to a um, you know you come to a pitch like the Whacker and and you know you know the things you know it's going to bounce, don't you? So, um, look, I think um, you know the way that Milan batted, um, you know he uh, you, you know took a bit of time, um, you know clearly summarised the situation. I think um, you know he and Bersto you know, um, were prepared to, to work for their runs. And, um, you know, when they looked set, they really looked set. And it was, you know, I mean, I, I think England there for, were about, you know, four for 300 odd. Um, and uh, uh, it was a little
0: bit, of where is Australia going to get their, their next wicket from? So, um, yeah, it, it is really and, interesting. And it, and it took an absolute blinder from Petey Hanscom to take that wicket. I mean, Petey was on the field as a substitute fielder. And he just came on and took an absolute mm. screamer to get rid of my
1: He's absolute Jaffa, wasn't it? And um, oh, look, I read read an article from uh, quoting um, former Test opener um, Ed Cowan. Ah, huh, steady Eddie said, "Look, I'm not over, I'm not overly convinced on uh, on the merits of Mitch Marsh. Um, I oh. think, it, you know, just, you know, and this is, this is, you know, I'm paraphrasing what he said, but um, you know, I think, um, you know." Petty Hanscom probably could have made runs on that wicket, and timings are, you know, timings are a bit of a bastard, and all that sort of thing. Um, but I think it was, you know, nice for it was a nice moment, wasn't it, for for Petty Hanscom to be, you know. Um, involved in the game and, and such a critical moment because you know he is a great player and I I feel confident that he's going to be playing alongside um, you know Mitch Marsh in a Test team in the future. There's no doubt he'll be back. Like he'll be back. Oh no know? doubt, I'm, I'm mate. Really confident. No doubt. But it was nice because you know the, obviously you involved in the first two Test matches and then have it had a critical moment here in the third Test um, to have some sort of involvement to uh, you know help deliver the victory at a critical time.
0: Yeah, mate. And, and in a way we did kind of miss Petey Hands committing in the slips there. I thought the, um, the, slips capping, ca- the slips catching from Australia at points, especially in that first innings, was a little bit shaky. Uh, Mitch Marsh dropped an absolute sitter at first slip to get rid of Stoneman or Vince. I can't remember which one. Um, and then there was an issue as well where um, Cam Bancroft was coming across to take a grab that should have been Steve Smith's second slip. And that was a schmozzle as well. So trying to sort of, I mean, having a new slips cordon is always a little bit problematic and, and changing personnel in those areas is, is a bit of an issue. But it didn't end up mattering in the end particularly we got them all out pretty well um and and i wanted to take a moment too to say that once we did get rid of milan and Bersto, the tail the english tail completely fell away ali wokes overton broad and anderson all went for a total of 22 runs i mean that tail really has not been wagging at all for the pomps which has been such an issue for them they've been so good with those lower order runs in their summer um, so to lose that's been a real issue the other thing for Australia in that, in that first innings was how ineffectual Nathan Lyon was for the first time this summer. I mean, he was still bowling really well, but it was just, it was a lot harder for him to get any purchase off the surface, uh-huh, rhymed, um, at the whacker, Chris. I mean, what did you make of that, mate?
1: Oh, you know, but I think that's that was just the pitch, to be fair. Um, you know, that, that's, you know, I don't think uh, anyone has really um, ever associated the whacker with been particularly spin friendly conditions but I think um, you know the fact that yeah you know, he, he did he took the critical wicket you know of, of that, uh, David Milan and, and, and sort of prevented uh, too much more damage from being done look Moenel is an interesting one because I think um, you know he has obviously been a real thorn in the side of um of australia in the past and uh, with both with bat and ball um i uh, was fortunate enough to go out to south perth richardson oval um last weekend and um uh, sorry uh, weekend before last and, and and have a look at the tour match
0: oh mate how was um, the tour Captain match
1: and um had a chance to have him watch him have a bit of bat and look he looked pretty good to be honest um and <sighs> Yeah, you know it's it's a hard one because you get um you know you sit in the sheds for a long time you get pad rash and, um you know the mind starts to wander and um you know to be fair it wasn't a bad ball that he copped true um so you know is he in trouble look he hasn't made a, run, a lot of runs lately but I think um you know I'd back him to bounce back
0: yeah it's 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 a tough one isn't it for Moine we'll have to just see which way they go there. Um... But at the end of that first English innings, they ended up being all out for 403. Starkey got four for 91. Hazelwood, three for 92. Paddy Cummins got two for 84 and was the most economical of the bowlers. He was going for three and over, which is considering how fast he bowls and and the sort of way he bowls is is very impressive. It was nice to see the smudger, Stephen Smith, roll his arm over as well, even if he bowled some absolute long hops. Um, But good to see him back bowling again. I do love watching Steve Smith bowl his leg now, the uh, Australians came out and batted, and we'll get to the epicness of Steve Smith's innings in just a moment. But uh, Bancroft and Warner opened the innings. They both got starts, both got out in their 20s. I'm really hoping we'll see runs from Bancroft this summer. I'm sure we will. Um, I'm really holding out for him. But, mate, mm. Davey Warner, again, didn't get any runs. It looks like the Palms have really got his measure. I mean, he's out for 22. What do you think is going on with Davey?
1: Yeah, I don't know. Um,. I don't know if there's too much, mate. I think, you know, he's, um, you, you, know you, you look at the bloke that's, that's sort of giving him a bit of trouble, you know, Overton, and he's really been the pick of the English bowlers, hasn't he? Um, but, you know, yeah. it's interesting, like, we are talking about Overton too because, um, you know, we talk about Australian conditions and, you know, Jimmy Anderson is obviously, a, you know, an amazing bowler. Um, you know, Chris Broder, you know, is also an amazing bowler. Um, but Jimmy Anderson and Broad at the moment, you know, neither of them necessarily are the type of guy that will bend their back and get a lot of bounce. And and um, you know, that's no comment on them. You know, excellent proponents of swing and all that sort of thing um but overton has got a you know he's a taller guy he's got a lot of bounce and all that kind of thing and if you pick guys to play for the conditions you're going to get results and um and and i think that um you know that's perhaps where we you know we haven't necessarily seen uh uh, david be you know the normal runner ball kind of guy that we've seen but i think you know in earlier tests he's almost tried to be a little bit more circumspect um, and and add a little bit more maturity to his game, um, which is something that people mm. have criticised him for in the, part, in the past. Is not being um, circumspect enough, um, you know, and not being not being cautious enough. Um, so you know, it's kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't. I don't think he's looked terrible. Um, uh, and you know it could, could be one and same thing same thing with Bancroft I mean you know both both made posted 50s in in Brisbane don't forget to to uh, win the win the test match there um, by 10 wickets so they're not in terrible touch. Um, they're just working their, working their way through I mean obviously the run out the last test wasn't brilliant. Um, they've both both made starts here
0: um, but uh, you know just copped decent balls from from the opposition's best bowler. yeah and there's not a lot you can do about that is there really? Um, and look, Usman Kawaja got a solid 50, mate, which he must have been pleased to see. It's the first time in my life I've been sitting on the couch really hoping that Uzi got out because you picked him as your highest run score and you smashed me last week. <laughs> um, so he did well, though. He looked pretty good, I thought. Um, Warney criticised him for not having energy at the crease and looking a little bit, you know, too cruisy um, was the big criticism for Shane. And look, I can see his point there, mate. It was he didn't really look like he was massively up For the challenge in a way. I mean, what did you make of that?
1: Uh, Look, you know, um, again, he comes in. You know, obviously comes out one for forty four, and then not long after that, it is two for fifty five when when Bancroft uh, gets uh, bowled out there. Um, You know, and that's that's maybe, you know, maybe again, maybe just trying to be uh, uh, trying to be a guy that's playing his way in. Um, Look would you would you like to see him a little bit more up and about sure because when uzi's on he's absolutely devastating um but i don't think anyone's ever really called usman kawaja you know um an overly energetic sort of fella so True. um he, he's usually weighed down by a big fat watch that he's wearing <laughs> on his left wrist um i tell you what U- usman kawaja's watchmaker must have the fattest fingers um, the most muscular fingers because that guy <laughs> just wears some serious timepieces um, although I think I would imagine having like fat fingers would be like you know not a good thing when you're a watchmaker you probably want to have like wispy little you know dexterous hands dexterous fingers You'd like a piano
0: player or you know the hands of an off-break bowler you know sure Something in that, in that general vicinity. Um, you make a great point there, mate. Yeah, he does wear some, some, some epic timepieces, uh, Usman Khawaja. But look, I mean, if we're talking about the first Australian innings, we can't go any further without talking about Stephen Smith's incredible innings. 239 runs in a partnership with Mitchell Marsh, who made 181. Um, and it was game-changing hundred percent. And look, I really want to take a moment to mention again that Stephen Smith, and we've talked about this in the pod before, CTB, but Stephen Smith, when he gets into a certain mood, he gets a certain look in his eye, he's really unstoppable. Um, and, and he really had it. I was watching him bat being like far out. Smithy looks like he's gotten to that zone and it's going to be very difficult to pull him out of there. Apparently, the Poms were so short of ideas that they actually went up and asked Ricky, Ricky Ponting in the media section, someone from the English camp, asked Ricky Ponting if he had any ideas <laughs> about how to get Steve Smith out. Isn't that wild? I wonder what Ricky re- Ricky's response to it was. Well, apparently, Punting, the punter said that, um, one, he's not going to tell him because he doesn't know, and two, even if he did know, he wouldn't say a thing, because it looks like he's got every option covered, that Steve Smith has has got all possible bases well across it. I mean, mate, he's getting so good, and so dominant, they're starting to compare him to the Don, Don Bradman. I mean, how do you feel about that?
1: Ah, look... Um, he's certainly batting very, 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 very well, you know. And statistically speaking, he's um, certainly on on par and on course there to be one of the all time greats. Yeah, I'm always really wary of people comparing other players to, to Donald Bradman. Um, I just think there's, you know, one, um, you know, no one is going to come close to averaging you know 99.94. Sure. Um yeah. you know even though he's averaging the low 60s at the moment which is obviously you know um <laughs> out of this world. Yeah. Um you know he's on a different uh, stratosphere but um it's just not something that's going to be replicated. And I think there's also way too many variables, um, you know, from cricket in the 30s and 40s as to cricket now. And, you know, we talk about, of course, you know, bad size, professionalism, blah, 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 sure. blah. yeah. Um, I just – I think it's kind of a moot point. I think it makes nice headlines. Um, but what I, th- I really think we need to be doing is just appreciating, you know, this phenomenal talent um, that we have in front of us, uh, you know, who can um, – you know, yeah. attack when he needs to attack. He can grind it out when he needs to grind it out. You know, um, you know, it wasn't necessarily a, a, a fait to complete that Australia was going to, to chase down um, the English title uh, when uh, Mitch Marsh came to the crease at uh, four for two hundred twenty. Sorry, yeah, four, four two hundred forty eight. Um, you know, I thought looks. I thought Sauce batted reasonably well for his is. Uh, uh 28 there and i thought you know the critical thing was really getting australia through the stumps yeah um, absolutely uh there with us uh, with smithy just shy of a uh of 100 which he did which he did you know he performed that role um unfortunately copped a uh copped a, a funny one from actually you know we yeah. talked about um uh the fact that he you know that the ball wasn't turning and I think um, what we found was that uh, Sauce actually played for a ball to turn and it didn't <laughs> turn. So, um, yeah, you know, and then, and then kind of got diddled there. So, yeah. um, look, I, but, you know, just going back to my original point, I, I think, you know, rather than comparing, um, you know, Steve Smith to the Don, I, I think it's a kind of a moot point, yeah, because they're just different players. Um, you know, Stevie Smith can just do. You know, just about anything. You know, he can attack, he can defend. He's a he's a brilliant cricketer. Um, you know, I think the point was raised by Dirk Nowitzki on ABC Radio. You know, they were sort of discussing how many kilojoules he's he's burning. Um, you know, in between balls with his with his unique uh, ticks and habits and all that fidget, kind of thing. Yeah. and That's an interesting point because you know, look. As anyone would be, you know, in a in a three hundred and fifty ball marathon. He was absolutely friggin' knackered. Yeah. Um, you know, which was even more impressive that he's, he's going out there and that it wasn't giving his wicket away. Um, so I, I think you know he's just obviously in a special vein of form, and um, like you know, like the Australian captains have gone and performed before him. You know, we just need to appreciate the moment because you know it wasn't so long ago that Michael Clarke was you know the world's best batsman and and you know the guy holding up Australia's middle order True. and making you know hundreds and two hundreds and three hundreds. Um, and then all of a sudden, two or three years later, his back blows up, and um, he releases a book says some unfavourable things about some past <laughs> Australian cricketers, and you know we're all a little bit unsure how we feel about him from a public relations perspective. So I think we should just enjoy Steve Smith for who he is right now and enjoy the moment and have a really good time with it Um, because you don't know when you're going to see it again.
0: Yes. Yes. And Chris, let me just read you some stats here. 239 runs off 399 balls at a strike rate of nearly 60, 59.9 with 34s and a six. I mean, just incredible. Um, and of course, ably helped by Mitchell Marsh, uh, who made 181 off 236 at a strike rate of 76, 29 fours, zero sixes. And mate, look, I think Mitchell Marsh really, really, really impressed me in this innings. It was so great to see him, um, you know, tackle the doubters. And and you must have been stoked, mate, about that. But um, i tell you what I was really pleased with was his straight driving. So it looked to me like, He came out to the crease with a real clear plan. Mitch, he was going to drive straight and he was going to hit through third man. And they were the two shots he played for boundaries. And that was it. I think he defended so well. I think he defended really, really well. And those straight drives, it just made it look to me like he went, okay, I'm not getting caught out driving through cover. I'm not going to edge behind. This is the two areas I'm looking to score in. And everywhere else, I'm going to let it go or I'm going to cut through point and I'm going to make some runs there. I thought he played so well, mate. I mean, what what did you make of that innings? Is it or Are we seeing a new Mitch Marsh here, a whole different variety? What did you make of it?
1: Yeah, look, I think the the first thing was that he, you know, clearly, um, you yeah, so know, seemed to play with a lot softer hands. Yeah, um, especially know, he, he in defence sort of, there, mate. Especially in defence. Yeah, defense. especially in defence. And, and you know, he just sort of, uh, I, I feel like he uh, he had a better relationship with the ball. I don't know if that makes sense, but...
0: Oh, um, I like it, Chris. It's very poetic. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> because, but I think he did a really good job. And just taking it out for dinners, buying it lunches, you know, making sure the beds are made, just looking after it. <laughs>
1: he respected the bowling didn't he you know yeah. and he respected the conditions and um you know uh, i think the thing for me and i thing that I, I didn't actually realize was that you know he turned down a contract in the i believe he turned down a contract in the ipl um to go and play you know county cricket for mm. six months um you know to to get better at playing the long form of the game you know he's done a lot of uh, um you know one-to-one coaching with uh with Scott Mielman, who's, uh, you know, of course, a, a third-generation um, first-class player for Western Australia, you know, doing some private coaching sessions there. And, you know, I, I just think, um, you know, he, he got the rewards that he – you, know, you, you reap what you sow and uh, you know, he's clearly uh, done some really good work and, and now he has rewards to show for that. I think the funny thing for me is that he was brought inside for his bowling and he, and he only bowled about 7 overs at you know, <laughs> five, 5 runs and over um, yeah. it didn't look particularly menacing but um, you, you know the fact that he made 181 is, uh, is absolutely phenomenal and look he's certainly
0: showing up his, his spot for the remainder of the uh, series and, and who knows beyond. Yeah, mate, and look, we talked about it a bit last week with Paddy Cummins, but I think, in a way, the injury layoff has been a really good thing for for Mitch's batting, you know, having this shoulder problem meant that he, he has not been able to bowl and it's given him some time to really knuckle down and think, okay, how am I going to score runs? How am I going to make sure I, I keep my wicket? Um, what what things can I change and do differently? I thought his head and his feet were moving a lot better towards the ball um, and it just looked like he'd tightened himself up a lot. So that was, that was really, really pleasing to see. Um, and as you mentioned, mate, his bowling was a little bit down. I mean, I think he's still bouncing back from that shoulder. He's still probably a bit underdone, to be honest. He was bowling a quite a bit slower than his usual. I mean, we know Mitch Marsh can bowl right up in the 140s and he was sticking between 125 and 135. So he was, it was a bit down on pace. But when it, when it comes to the bowling from Mitch, I mean, we, we don't need him to be Stark or Cummins. We don't need him to do that. We just need him to be able to hold up an end. If he can hold up an end and give the quicks a rest from the other direction, then then that's going to do so much. And, and, you know, Shane Watson got criticised for Reeves, everything in cricket quite a lot but what he did well was was he was a very very tight bowler very very consistent and I think if we can get something similar from Mitch and if he does any more than that then great but he presents such an exciting prospect if he can hold up an end with the bowling take a wicket here or there and make hundreds with the bat it'd be really incredible
1: yeah definitely mate look I think it's exciting times and uh, hey you know JL called him out and said he might be a future Australian captain so and I think we were pretty laughable at that but maybe we're yeah Maybe this will be you know something beautiful, and uh, certainly hope so.
0: Well, Chris, we have been wrong on the pod maybe once or twice before. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see how that goes. As mentioned before, Tim Payne uh, got a handy forty-nine, and I thought he batted really well, played that pull shot beautifully. I'm surprised Smudgy didn't let him take the extra one <laughs> to get a to get a fifty next to his name, but I thought he was looking really good off the back foot. Ctb, what did you make of his batting?
1: Oh, look, I think, um, you know, the, the thing that strikes me about Tim Payne, I mean, we knew he was a good keeper and, you know, we knew that he's a, a batsman who can do a job with a bat, um, you know, but he's a, he's clearly a really smart cricketer, you know, mm. and, he's, and he's seasoned yeah. and um, he's not overawed by the occasion, so he can kind of just play the way you know he needs to play, and I'm not saying you know making any comment necessarily about Wade or Neville or any of those sorts of things. But for this, for for Tim Payne, this was a free hit. You know, this is kind of yeah. he's in that position, a similar position to say what Chris Rogers was in, to what uh, um, Michael Hudson Vogers was in, before yeah. You know, where they came into the side late, and when you come into the side late, and you're in your you know um, mid. 30s, so or I think to be fair, he's only about 32. But when you come into the side late and everybody's kind of written you off, it's a free crack, you know. You, you, um, no one's really expecting anything, and particularly the circumstances when he came in, when everyone was like, Who is this bloke and why'd you bring him back from the dead? Um, you know, if he if he fails, no one remembers, you know, and it's, it's on the selectors, but if he, you know, if he do, if he does as he is doing, then he's uh, an absolute legend and, and I think we've got on him. Um, and and uh, I'm sure that we're, we're going to see uh, a few more tests out of Tim Payne.
0: Oh, mate. And speaking of a few more tests, uh, Paddy Cummins coming in at 10, got another 41 at a strike rate of 65, four fours and a 6. What a what a legend. I'm all about that, Paddy Cummins. Get him up the order. Bring him in at number three, I say. <laughs> I might be taking it a bit too far. Um, but in terms of the English bowl, uh James Anderson took 4 um, our dear old uh, Mr. Wokes got one. Overton got two. And Moen and Alley picked up one. Uh, England bowled pretty much every person in their side. They used a total of seven bowlers, which is gratuitous. Uh, even David Milan got six overs with the ball. I mean, you know you're struggling when you when you throw the ball to David Milan. Uh, to his credit, he was going at, you know, two and over. So that's pretty good. But, mate, Stuart Broad, none for 142. What went wrong Whoa. there?
1: He clearly uh, borrowed the Pat Cullen, Pat Cullen uh, School of Bowling from his local library, <laughs> uh, you know, or you know. The, uh, I thought that was out of print. The, the first edition uh, Chris Barty book of leg spin. Oh yeah. Um, <laughs> which would be unusual because he's a pace bowler. So it was, you know, yeah, that was a poor choice. Poor choice. Um, oh look, oh, yeah, I, I don't know. Um. He, he didn't look particularly potent, you know, as opposed to someone like Anderson who, even though Anderson wasn't necessarily having a lot of uh, luck with taking wickets um, for large stints throughout the uh, throughout the innings, he still managed to keep it reasonably tight. Um, you know, his economy rate was still reasonably good um, and then got the rewards, um, uh, you know, the, the next day after the epic partnership and ended up taking four for... Um, <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. It's an interesting time for Stuart Broad, isn't it? But he's been such a good cricketer for such a long, long period of time. The funny thing for me is he's batting as well. Yeah. Like, you know, he used to be quite a damaging, you know, we're talking about Pat Cummins, but he used to be, Stuart Broad used to be quite a damaging, uh, low order kind of hitter and, and be a real nuisance to get out. Um, and he's, he's kind of a, a player that kind of exudes um, a competitive arrogance. Yeah. Um, and he. he uh, he just seems uh, maybe not carrying as much, you know, luster or, or having the same aura around him as, as he once did.
0: So, And mate, um, he looks scared. I- like I'm just gonna call it straight up. He he looks scared out there. And look, I don't blame him. I'd be absolutely packing it as well. I mean Stark, Cummins, Hazelwood, bloody they, they're going for him hard. I think the crowd's going for him hard. Um they'd be giving him a lot of stick. And I can bet that the Aussies around the bat are getting stuck into him as well. Um and it'd be a very, very difficult time to bat. Um it wouldn't be easy being strew broad right now. I mean I don't want to sound like I've got sympathy for him. Uh, that that might be pushing it too. Far, but I can tell that he's definitely under the pump there, and he doesn't look comfortable at the crease at all. CTV, yeah.
1: Look, I, and I wonder too if, um, I mean, obviously, he's sort of um, uh, much maligned, um, you know, amongst Australian uh, crowds. I, I think, sort of stemming back to that 2013 series in England where, um, where he, he didn't smashed walk it after yeah. smashing one to first lip, um you know uh, and, he, and he said you know in the lead up to the ashes that you know, he loves it and he, he wants people to boo him and he really enjoys it but you, you know I wonder how much of that is um, is again a bit of bluster and and I wonder if it's if it's just creating more difficulties for him than, than there would otherwise be um, yeah. so look interesting times um, I mean you know me Pat I, I tend to prefer to think optimistically but um Look, you're right, 9 for 142, you know, going at 4 and over doesn't make for great reading, but, you know, it wasn't easy going for any any of the English bowlers out there, to be fair.
0: Yeah, no, good point, mate, good point indeed. Uh, The Aussies ended up 9 for 662 declared, setting England a total of 260 to win the game. Uh, and the English did not make a great start. Alastair Cook got 14. Uh, Mark Stoneman got three, quickly removed by a ramp. And Josh Hazlewood, um, who came in breathing fire uh, on the final day, there, ready to really bloody get into him. Um, and he he looked awesome. And mate, look, I called it early last week. I said that Gary Lyon had taken the catch of the summer. But holy moly, did Josh Hazelwood give him a run for his money with the wicket of Alastair Cook? In the follow-through, 141 kilometers an hour, non-dominant hand stuck, the big mid-out, and somehow, through through fluke, through the universe spinning in the right direction, through the forces of gravity, it's stuck.
1: Look, it's been a great summer for Court and Bolds, hasn't it? Oh, Chris, Um, they're
0: calling it the summer of Court and Bolds.
1: Well, you know, I mean, there's really two things you should have invested in this summer. One was Bitcoin, the other was Court and (laughs) Bolds. No one saw either of those things going. In fact, I still don't understand Bitcoin. Someone was trying to tell me to invest in Litecoin today and I am even more confused about what that is. Um, um, You've got to have some sort of digital wallet? I don't know. If anybody can um,
0: offer Chris financial advice, please get in contact with the pod, shoot us an email, Find uh, us on look, Facebook. I'm a
1: pretty simple man, Pat. I, put, I like my wickets bold and my coins tactile. Um, I'm just not ready. I'm not ready for Bitcoin. Oh, mate, don't I hear make you. me do it. I I hear you. Um, but uh, no, look. Um, interesting. Look, Josh Hazelwood, fantastic job. The Cotton Bold, you're right. He uh, he just stuck out the Duke, um, <laughs> and uh, and he you know pulled off an absolute classic there um, to get things rolling. Um, but I tell you, the, the really interesting point for me was uh, the unseasonable Perth weather. It was as yes. if it was as if you know what I reckon. What I reckon. You know, everyone says it never rains in in Perth. It never rains in the whack, It never rains in the summer. I reckon that's nonsense. I think Ooh. I think they've been. It's been intending to rain, and then you know the, the the weather gods, Mother Nature, whoever you want to talk about, you know said, "Holy shit, it's closing. <laughs> We've got to get in. We've got to get in now. We've got to cause some havoc. Otherwise, there's not going to be any. We've got to get in there. It's going to be now. We're going to miss out." Um, <laughs> And boy, was there a, was there some absolute havoc. Normally, um, I absolutely loathe um, hearing about rain delays, but I was absolutely fascinated um, by um, you know not only the impact that it um, had on the game, but uh, also apparently the impact that it had on the ground stuff. Apparently, um, <laughs> one of the groundsmen um,
0: just his shoulder or something and, and spent the afternoon in hospital. Uh-huh. Mate, I was about to make a joke about that and about how funny that was, and I'm not going to do it now. <laughs> <laughs> well, to be, to be fair, look, I think he's all right. So, um, we can definitely have a okay. laugh about it okay. later, about the fact that he got knocked over by a Hessian canvas. Um, <laughs> yeah, mate, and we'll post we'll, we'll post a video of that to the, the Facebook for sure. Um, but the only thing that was better than that, than, than the groundsman, was Mitchell Stark's delivery to get rid of James Vince. I mean... Oh, oh, it was just incredible. Um, James Vince was looking good CTB. He, He was on 55 runs. He was looking really good through cover. He played a couple of really nice drives. He was playing pretty well against the short ball. He was doing good. And then Starkey comes around the wicket and bowls this ball, which should have gone to leg slip. It was an absolute harmison delivery. It was diabolical. Uh, 145 kilometers an hour, speared in, looks like it's going down leg, hits the crack, deviates, smashes into off stump. I lost my mind, CTB. I screamed at the television. My girlfriend thought that I'd hurt myself, but I was just losing my mind. And I was just overjoyed. It was amazing. James Vince had no chance. Don Bradman couldn't oh, have stopped that it, ball.
1: Um, it definitely was some delivery, wasn't it? Uh, you know, I mean, there's a, a a popular cricket sort of idiom where they talk about, you know, he was able to move the ball at right angles. Um, but you know, he quite literally got pretty close to moving the ball at a right angle. You know, he. Um, it, it was something to. Lo and behold, and you know I, I saw some headlines this morning calling it the. You know, is this the, the ball of the century? Um, the ball of
0: the 21st century,
1: yeah. Look of the twenty look of the 21st century. Uh, again, I don't know about that. <laughs> not real big on these um, sensationalist headlines, mate. You know, You're I mean, not in the big headline, CTP. Uh, when it comes to matters of like this. But um, no, look, it was an absolute jaffa. Um, and in terms of all-time greats, uh, ashes, deliveries, at the whack of this century, um, I think it's, you know... <sighs> it's right up there with Ryan Harris's delivery to Alistair Cook um, yeah. a few summers ago um, it's look, it's really hard to pick between them I, I think you know Ryan Harris's delivery was pretty much the perfect uh, seam you know pace delivery um, you know just uh, on on off stump there and just nipping away slightly just absolute thing of beauty but this was spectacular you know yeah. A left arm quick around the wicket, you know, particularly the way that the ball is supposed to move on its natural uh, angle there and to effectively halt um, once he hit the pitches and, and just, you know, move to hit the stumps. Um, look, it's something that uh, is going to get a million YouTube hits, hits that's for sure.
0: Mate, Harry Potter would have been jealous of that ball. It was a spell of witchcraft <laughs> and wizardry. Uh, only magic kept that going where it was supposed to. It was completely outrageous. Uh, following that wicket, uh, England sort of fell apart a bit, if we're honest. Dave Milan had another good inning, scored a 54. But once he went, it all fell apart. Uh, Besto 14. Ali 11. Wokes, 22. Overton, 12. And once Paddy Cummins had Chris Wokes caught behind... That That was it. The Ashes were back in Australian hands, and never has it felt better. Um, Josh Hazelwood ended up with five wickets in that innings, eight for the match. Stephen Smith obviously top scored with 239, and uh, they got done like a dinner CTB. And mate, look, they call me Big Calls Cullen, and they do so for a reason. I'm calling it here, I'm calling it now, I'm calling it early. Um, I think that the whitewash is on, Chris. I think England is staring down the barrel of 5 nil, mate. I'm just saying.
1: You you're calling it the uh you know, get the nappy sand out, the
0: whitewash the whitewash is on. Grab the nappy sand, All right, folks. Okay, fair enough. Put your whites in the basket because I tell you what, whitewash is coming. Uh it is coming soon, it's coming fast. I mean, mate, looking to Melbourne, wow, what do England do from here? How do they how do they try and turn this around? They've got to try and claw something back, surely. I mean, changes must be made. I Moan Moen Alley really hasn't looked that great with the bat or the ball um you know he's got 11 and a duck in this game do you ditch him if you do that leaves you down a spinner you're going to bring in mason crane the untried untested leggy um it throws your whole side balance into doubt do you bring in speaking of balance do you bring in young gary to try and shore up the batting i mean where do you go what do you yeah. do from here
1: interesting times isn't it for uh for england and you know they've got a couple of choices to make for the um the last two test matches, you know, do they stick with their with their tried and tested champions in you know in Cook Ali, um, Broad, um, uh, or is it time uh, to make some changes and use the last two test matches um, to blood some youngsters? I don't know the answer. Uh, I really don't because I think um, you know if it was me. Um, and I'm sure, um, you know, if it's you know this the English batsmen and, and bowlers will be feeling the same. You know, it's, it's a game that involves a lot of pride at this level. And uh, I would want to be coming out and, and saying, hey, look, you gave us a licking in the first three tests, but uh, we're still a decent cricket team. You know, Melbourne conditions, Boxing Day test match, you don't know what it's going to produce. Melbourne, of course know a little bit more having you know the four seasons in one day so the, the conditions may suit english a little bit better yeah pending the forecast um uh, sort of that more traditional english lineup that, that we've been seeing you know but uh it, it's a tough one uh i, I really don't know I, I don't know where they go from there and frankly i'm just really glad this is, isn't our problem so <laughs>
0: True that mate You couldn't pay me To be an English selector At the moment God I don't envy Those guys at all It's a tough one um, So mate look, Looking forward To Melbourne I'd like to ask you Our traditional questions uh, and, and to say Well done For the stuff That you got right This time We both picked Five days Which was a winner um, But I'd like to know uh, for, for the next test Who's going to get The runs Who's going to get The most wickets And how many days Do you think It's going to go For sir What do you reckon
1: uh, well, uh, look, I was a bit of a goose in the most recent one. It wasn't on. I said uh, uh, three days. Yeah, uh, it was a bold
0: call. It was a bold call, Chris. It was very ambitious. I, I, yeah. I
1: look. I didn't check the. Uh, well, we we don't get the weather channel in my house, mate. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, no, look, I think it's look. I, I think it's going to go five days. We'll get to a fifth day. I don't. I don't know if it's going to go all five days. Um, I think that. If it's a drop-in pitch at the uh, the MCG, there, uh, you know, it'll be pretty dry. So, um, look, I think it'll go well. Um, I think we'll see an unchanged lineup from Australia. I don't see how you can, you know, be win by an in innings and and make a change. Um, so, look, I really like uh, to see. I think Joshy Hazlewood will do do good things. Yeah. Um, good I think call. he'll take the most wickets for me. Um, oh God! And look, it's really hard to. to not uh, pick D Smith for most runs in the Melbourne Test match. It's probably going to happen. It's probably going to kick me in the backside. Um, but I'm going to stay faithful. Uh, I want to see this man do, um, uh, do a really good job and, uh, and prove the knockers wrong. Uh, so I'm going to stick with Uzi Kawaja for most runs in Melbourne.
0: Yeah, big calls, Chris. Big calls, and I like them. Um, okay, so I think I am going to say five days as well. I'm going to agree with you there. Um, I'm going to keep backing Davey Warner to get the runs because I I just feel like I just need to keep backing him and just to be there in his corner, Chris, you know? And 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 for the bowler, I reckon it might be Nathan Lyon in Melbourne. I reckon Lyon could be on. Ooh. I like it. Yeah? It's a good call. Yeah, I just you know, he's he's should bounce back a bit more of a friendlier surface. He's been bowling really well, so I wouldn't be surprised to see him take it out. Um, so yes, they're my picks. We're gonna go for five days. We're gonna go for Davy Warner to bounce back and score some runs, and Nathan Lyon to take the wickets. Um, all right, mate, let's turn our attention to our very, very sad British correspondent. Ladies and gentlemen, prepare yourself for a, a devastated Tom Hawkey and a very sad British bulletin. <laughs>
2: Tom K. Hawkey here with your bulletin from a Brit. And so the world's smallest trophy has changed hands after 25 days of intensely one-sided competition. After a test defeat, you often look back to find which day you lost it on. In this case, it's easy. England lost this test on or around the 9th of September 1988, when Peter Smith turned to Gillian Smith, smiled with a twinkle in his eye and said... Let's head upstairs. Nine months later, a cricketing behemoth was born. Congratulations to Australia, but especially to Steve Smith. His near faultless innings was a joy to behold, but he was merely the brightest shining star in a stellar team performance. In every spell of bowling so far, if one Aussie bowler hasn't fired, his teammates have stepped up. The spread of wickets shows that they're bowling as a unit and backing each other up. England, on the other hand, have taken just 33 wickets in three matches. Last week, I stated that this isn't a vintage Aussie side, but boy are they laying the foundations to become one. Our reasons to be cheerful are our debutants. Our reasons to be glum are the so-called experienced players. Cook failed yet again, and whilst the adage of form being temporary and class permanent does hold truth, Alistair needs to show that class soon if his career is to carry on much further. He and Root have amassed a mere 259 runs between them. I have got one solution to the English batting issues though. In six innings this series, one man has been not out five times. Clearly, Mr Jimmy Anderson is just running out of batting partners before he's got a chance to kick on. So let's move him up the order to open the batting. He will clearly carry his bat and score a huge double turn in the process. It says quite a lot that I'm only half-joking about this idea. Our big issue is, in the words of Talking Heads, the same as it ever was. We outplay everyone at home and look clueless when we play away. We're far too reliant on our canny ability to swing the ball under leaden English skies and to play that swinging ball better than our opponents. Stick us in a hot country with a cracked and bouncy wicket, and we lose our tiny minds.
0: Poor old Tom Hawkey. It's nearly enough to make you feel a little bit of sympathy for him, isn't it? Um, almost, but not quite. Still well done to the Aussies in my book. Uh, Chris, that's nearly time, mate. Any final words before we move to Melbourne? Uh, look,
1: mate, I'm looking forward to it more than the ham, turkey, pork, um, and pudding that uh, will be finding its way down my digestive uh, track. <laughs> Um and um out the other end, probably on Boxing Day.
0: (laughs) Fantastic, Chris. Thanks for that update.
1: (laughs) But uh look, uh in between bathroom breaks, uh I am thoroughly looking forward to keeping myself insane with the boxing day. Test, I think it's, ma- it's always a magnific- magnificent spectacle, isn't it? And Such look, a spectacle. Um, yeah, you know, I'm really reminded of the uh, 1998-99 Ashes uh, when you know mm-hmm. Australia was, uh, I think, three-nil uh, up at the time. The Ashes was done, um, and then um, England comes out the Melbourne Test match, wins it, and Darren Goff takes one of the most memorable hat-tricks of all time. I want Australia to win, but I'd also like to see something along those lines.
0: Mate, doesn't Darren Goff look like a bricklayer? Doesn't he look like a bloke who could go and make you a really nice wall if required? Although,
1: ironically, I'm pretty sure he dabbled in politics with the Tories. Really? I could be wrong. No way. I could be wrong. We'll have to give that to Wikipedia and find out next time.
0: We will pass that on to the research team. Uh, thank you so much for listening to the show. Chris, thanks so much for being here with me. As per usual, you're an absolute legend. And a big thanks to our very sad British correspondent Tom K. Hawkey for all his work as well. We'll be back after the Boxing Day test with hopefully a live recorded episode of Two for None, uh, which will be very, very exciting. Uh, If you can take a moment and like us, rate us, review us on the iTunes store, that really helps us get more listens. Thank you to everyone who's listened to us so far. We're really enjoying doing this and we hope you're getting a kick out of it as well. Um, Find us on our Facebook page, send us some comments and uh, we'd love to hear from you. Get involved in the conversation. Thank you so much, CTB. We will see you all in Melbourne after the next test and go the Aussies.